0: It is the APC podcast here from AcmePackingCompany.com, part of SB Nation. Uh, Zach Rapport here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I thought we would do a little, uh, I don't know, midsummer mailbag, five questions, whatever you want to call it. I guess we'll call it, let's get you fine folks a couple minutes of some legitimate Packers talk in the middle of sort of the NFL news drought season late June, early July here. Not a lot going on, Uh, but to do that, Five questions. Um, is our buddy Justice Mosqueda joins us on the line? Justice, how are you doing, man?
1: Ah, uh, not too bad. Uh, I don't know how the heat impacted you in New Mexico compared to the Northwest, but we're we're done with the giant heat waves. So,
0: I love a good uh, good weather talk to start a pod. That's like. <laughs> Yeah, that's great stuff. That's how you know you're (laughs) you're really dialed in with the content. (laughs) No, uh, we actually had the opposite here. So I had friends from New York. Also, there was a heat wave there and they were checking in on me like, are you dead? Are you alive? What's going on? But it's actually been the opposite here where it's like unseasonably cold and it was rainy for a week in the middle of the like desert summer. It made no sense. It was I mean, it was like pleasant, but also climate change, man. Hell of a drug. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be bad for us guys. I think it's gonna be bad. but <laughs> it's not looking good. Packers football.
0: Thanks boomers. <laughs> okay, moving on. Packers football. I wanted to say also really quickly cuz I don't think we've talked about it on air but an official welcome to you joining the uh, Acme Packing Company team, man. We're we're really psyched to have to have a mind like yours and a drive like yours aboard um to help us pump out more more content for our friends here.
1: Yeah, man, I'm really excited about what we can build here. So I'm ready to hit the ground running.
0: Right yeah, and speaking of hitting the ground running, you are um, you are starting up a weekly mailbag column here in the summer, and I thought we would kind of echo that on the pod. So um, if you haven't checked it out already, everybody, acmepackingcompany.com. Check out um, a little bit of a mailbag post from Justin Mosqueda. Your questions, his answers, and we're gonna um, we're gonna take some of the questions. Um, that he didn't get to in that column and answer them here as well as a few that that I've drafted up. Five questions. I'll set them up. You knock them down. You feel good about that?
1: I feel good about it right now. We'll see at the end of
0: it. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all relative. <laughs> all right. Uh, first question coming in uh, off of Twitter from Mike Price. Um, and he asks, he's talking about Josh Jackson, Oren Burks, and Equinemius St. Brown, and wondering um, which one of these three players is most likely to impact the team this season so i guess i don't know if that's relative terms or or have like a big impact but curious for your take there because we talked about this uh, you and i a little bit earlier today it's kind of like i'm maybe maybe lame duck is a strong word but three three guys who aren't long for this team necessarily but who do get reps who do see the field
1: Yeah, it's interesting because if you hear the Packers defensive back coach talk in uh, minicamp, he was saying, you know, we might not have put Josh Jackson into the right situations uh, last year. And I think that's probably true. true. I mean, Josh Jackson has started games for this football team. Um, The big thing with him is he is very much a zone corner. And we all knew that with him coming out of Iowa. So it's zone corner safety with him. Um, It seems like they're trying zone corner again. Uh, They got him a few first team reps in minicamp. Um, but again, that's just shirts and shorts, man, shirts and shorts. So we can't make too much out of that. Uh, or Burks is really interesting because he is a significant special teams contributor. Yeah, And I know people, people hate that, right? Like people, if you talk about a special teams guy, they're just like, man, I don't want to hear this at all. It's 300 something snaps. Yeah.
0: He's man. core. He's that's... a core dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like that's really important. 300 something snaps to not mess up. Right. And a guy like that who can tackle an open field space, like, there's a reason why those guys get drafted. Like, there was that linebacker out of Houston this past year in this draft class. I forget where he got drafted to, but he was basically drafted in the seventh round just off of the fact that he's fast and he could tackle and he could play special teams. Like, that is something that happens in the NFL. And when you only have 46 guys active on game day, those special teams guys are actually important. Yep. And <laughs> that's it's a role that he definitely plays. Um, Equinemius St. Brown, I think, is interesting because he's one of the few guys who can be like that speed receiver, and they definitely need more than one of those on the team going into the year. Um, so, what's the backup plan to MVS, right? Is yeah. it Equinemius St. Brown or is it Malik Taylor? Malik Taylor got first team uh, punt gunner snaps, and that's a position that's really important on special teams, is punt gunner. Um, so, how much does the weight of Equinemius St. Brown's contract and the fact that it's going into its last year get weighted when you look at the fact that like you can keep just hitting uh, Malik Taylor with tenders right I mean we're seeing that with Alan Lazard right now Lazard's on an exclusive rights free agent tender right now next year he'll be on a, a restrictive free agent tender and then after that he'll hit free agency so the fact that like you manage the the cap hits of these guys' contracts does come into play, not including the fact that you're adding Amari Rodgers to the mix and you're adding uh, Devin Funches into the mix. So I think Econamia St. Brown is interesting because he's either going to be the number two speed receiver on the team or he's not going to make the team. Right. Right. That's just the the weight of his contract. That's kind of what that presents. So if I'm going to go with someone making a clear impact in 2021. I think it's going to be Burks off of special teams with the ability to potentially crack the lineup, um, as a linebacker, um, rather than the weight of Equinamius' St. Brown's contract or the fact that Josh Jackson would somehow break the lineup, surpassing, you know, a Chandon Sullivan in the slot, surpassing a first round cornerback and Eric Stokes surpassing, uh, Kevin King, on a contract that is significant, even if it's only a one year contract, yeah. I just think the path to Burks seeing the field and contributing, even if it is only on special teams, is a higher mark than than the other two.
0: Yeah, I love that answer because I like things that are annoying and I know that people will be annoyed by an answer that is just Burks is a core special team or man. <laughs> So he's more than he's more uh, more likely than the others to to make an impact. Uh, really quickly, we'll, and then we'll move on. Though your comment about Josh Jackson and sort of the coaches talking him up in mini camp um, doesn't that happen every year? <laughs> Someone said like they say something about like reevaluating his position or finding the right fit or giving him a try here. I feel like it's like an every year kind of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think personally this is my evaluation hey i think josh should be a safety and i think that that's where his best fit is but they haven't really tried him there um because really i mean even with this incoming defensive regime right the the scheme that they're bringing in it's still a lot of pattern pattern match zone pattern match man stuff um if you really look into it it's like really more of like what college football is doing than like what you see across the nfl um, if Joe Barry is actually going to bring in the stuff that that Staley ran with the Rams, and now he's going to run with the Chargers, right. um, and that doesn't necessarily fit Jackson's skill set, which is kind of how you get these comments from the coaches, where they're very much like, "Dude, don't put it on the kid. Like he's not, he's not, not an NFL football player. Right? right? He is an NFL football right. player. It's just that he doesn't necessarily mesh with kind of the ideology." That would maximize his skill set, and I think that's the perspective that all of these guys are talking about. And I think that's a perfectly fair evaluation.
0: Yeah, I like that. All right, moving on, but sticking with the secondary uh, question coming in from Blob Tunyon, my, one of my favorite, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite Twitter names uh, out there, and I love interacting with him on Twitter. He writes in, uh, "Is Savage actually good, or does he just have a cool name?" <laughs> and I like this question because I don't know. I just hear, I you know. I, we're we're on the back end in the in the APC Slack chat um, all season last year, back and forth, people wondering this question: Is he good? I think he's not good. Oh, he had a great game here, had a few good reps there, and just like I, I can't get a straight answer. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still very young in his career, but he's made huge strides since his days in Maryland, and he's still showing the physical traits that made him a first round pick out of Maryland. the The big thing with Savage is like. He's so good in those same type of the, – honestly, the type of scheme that Joe Barry wants to bring in where it's the pattern match, zone match stuff where he can legitimately play man coverage as a safety in a way that is kind of special, and he has ball skills. Like there's – what he, he must have multiple games in the NFL now where he's gotten multiple interceptions in a game, and that's not by a mistake. That's right. off of ball skills. Yeah. This guy has ball skills. So I think to a certain extent, a safety like Savage – is important and impactful in a way that like almost tyron matthew is where it's he can play he can play man coverage on a guy and he has ball skills but he also plays safety and that's kind of a unique role that he plays now i don't think he's necessarily as impactful in the run game as a matthew is but from a passing game perspective in what he can do in man coverage and what he can do in ball skills like he's kind of up there with the top safeties in the league in those specific traits.
0: Yeah, indeed. All right, moving on. Third question, Fred tweets in, where does the vertical element of this offense come from if MVS gets injured? And you touched on this a little bit uh, with your answer uh, to the first question uh, with EQ, but we saw last year MVS was the only speed-deep guy, and when he was out, it changed what they could do on offense.
1: Yeah, um, and I think the way to present this answer is not necessarily vertical stretch but like constraints the fact that there is a stretch because it doesn't necessarily have to come from the vertical game so like if mvs goes down right the packers got to make a pretty quick decision on okay can equinamia st brown give us that vertical stretch right or is it malik taylor right so those are basically two options for vertical stretch right and then it becomes can we live in that world or do we go back into our lateral stretch offense, which is kind of what they ran with like Tyler Irvin. And when Tyler Irvin went down, they did a bunch of split back gun stuff with Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones and Aaron Jones then started running, you know, those quick motions out of the backfield. You're throwing screens to him. Like the fact that there's a constraint and that the defense basically has to defend a system of play calling. Right. And as long as you have that stretch, they keep that, that constraint keeps the defense honest. Right. So I think you could either see the option of Malik Taylor or I St. name you say Brown being vertical threats. I think you can get into a situation where is Amari uh, Rogers, the lateral threat that we need to build our offense around. I think you can get into a situation where it's um, do we get into 20 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel with uh, AJ Dillon and, uh, Aaron Jones in the backfield and Aaron Jones is that lateral stretch type of guy where we could still run the ball up the middle with AJ Dillon while still having Aaron Jones as a lateral stretch I think all those things are on the table and I don't think it's necessarily like what speed receiver replaces MVS as a lateral threat or a vertical threat as much as okay, we have to find a lateral or vertical threat that that we can now live in and base our offense around. And there's kind of a menu of options that the Packers have right now.
0: I really like that answer. It's like reframing the question, reframing the way you think about it, Um, the concept of like the the vertical stretch. And just like, if you think about the middle of the field being a cluster of players, it's about stretching in any direction, finding a way, having a system where you can find a way to spread them out and keep them honest. Yeah,
1: it's about offensive identity and what you can live in and what you can get matchups out of and how you can keep teams or defenses specifically honest. That's yeah. really what all of this is about. Yeah. That's really what all this is about. You boil it down.
0: I love that, man. Keeping with wide receivers, we'll move on. And I got these are two questions now for from me that just been kind of top of mind. Um, I heard our our buddy John Meerdink make what I thought was a really interesting point uh, today. I was listening to his podcast. Um a point about re-signing devonte adams um and he said more than any other big deal receiver that the packers have had in the last like 10 15 years Devontae adams is is more set up to carry his top level play into his 30s because of what his strengths are like hands first move off the line routes yards after catch and so john was basically saying like there that that extent the the extension for um, adams going into i think his age like 28 or 29 season is way less risky for the team than doing the same for like Cobb or Nelson um for example and i i thought that was really um interesting a really good point and just kind of wanted to get your reaction to that
1: yeah i buy into that honestly um if you're framing Devontae's skill set it's that he's a bully right yeah. i mean that's really what it is it's not elite speed it's not you're worrying about all right, if Ted Ginn loses a gear, is he viable to see the field at all? Right, right? that that's not what we're t- talking about. He's almost kind of like uh, Anquan Bolden or Steve Smith, where it's like that that game does tend to age well, right? Like as long as your body isn't like physically, the, it's it's not the speed, it's the pounding, right? If right. you can take the pounding and you can consistently be a bully, and that's kind of what he's shown in his career that doesn't wear down as fast as speed necessarily would, right? So I I think that's probably a fair assessment. The question I get is, like, the Packers kind of do have a lot of big contracts on their books already, right? And when you see stuff like uh, Track, I think is how you say it, and they're estimating that he's going to make, you know, basically $25 per year, is that something that the Packers are willing to do? Yeah. And I think that that then becomes the interesting thing of like, all right, why is Devontae doing all these interviews? Why is Derek Carr talking about him potentially leaving in free agency, etc.? Becomes like, is he like actually, if, if his number is twenty five million dollars per year, how big of a threat is it that he actually leaves, right? Yeah. And maybe they tag him this next this upcoming season. But when you tag a guy, that cap hit is the sure lot higher than the first year of an extension contract yeah in terms of the cap hit not in terms of the money but in terms of the actual cap hit um and that would you know hurt the packers roster construction in 2022 if he has to play on a tag instead of on an extension if your long-term goal is to keep him on the team instead of just like keep a title window open momentarily right um That's where the questions start to come up with him, I think.
0: Well, I think um, something else that John was talking about, there was also this idea that there's a way to structure an extension where basically you buy salary cap room this year and you stave off those big money. He gets his, Devontae Adams gets his payoff at a time where the cap is probably going to balloon back up because of these big money media deals that we've just seen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the money's going to rise. When you see... I can't remember who reported it, but someone tweeted out today that NFL – or not today, this week, that NFL owners are expecting that the average uh, franchise is going to be worth like 6 to $8 billion, billion because dollars. of gambling. Yeah. Because of gambling. <laughs> and that – people people have a it, – it's hard for people to understand big numbers, right, yeah. just in general. Like we're not a country that does well with big numbers. But when the Bills – were talked about as potentially selling and their market price was below two billion dollars and then we're talking about the average nfl team is going to be worth six to eight that's a huge jump that's a huge jump that's every team is worth more than like what the dallas cowboys were worth a couple years ago um that's a huge money boom in the nfl and that's definitely coming
0: Let's, uh, maybe when the season rolls around, let's fill in uh, one of those audio slots with a gambling show. <laughs> if you want to listen to gambling content, let us know, <laughs> at the APC pod, hit us up, and we'll see what we can do for you. All right, uh, Justice, one last question for you. Um, this is a little bit out of left field, but we're a couple years now into uh, Brian Gutekun's tenure, and I, he's been, like I think, relatively bold, all things considered, he's taken some risks, Though maybe like now we're seeing his management style, I think, is being called into question a little bit. And I guess my question is to you, like on balance, do you miss our man, Ted? Is there anything that you think has gotten like worse since Goo took over? And I'm going to pour out an imaginary beer for for my guy, Ted Thompson, RIP. Um, I don't know. Just like a gut check on (laughs) how you're feeling, because because. I don't know. I feel like a year in, we're like, yeah, we really like this, and now like maybe it's Murphy, maybe it's him, but like this whole Aaron Rodgers thing is like, from a management perspective, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm rambling a bit, but because I miss Ted, I think that's where we're at.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ted, Ted won a ring, so we're always gonna miss Ted, right? Yeah. Like Ted, Ted's immortal. He has a ring. Period. Done. Um, but I don't necessarily think that like he's a bad general manager. Like yeah. I don't think he's done. So he he swung. Above batting average on the Zedarius contract. I think Amos was fine. Preston Smith uh, hasn't necessarily worked out, but they ne- haven't necessarily used him in a way that that would benefit him yeah. to the best of his ability. Um, Rashawn Gary, you're taking a third pass rusher at uh, 12th overall, and um, I think he started five games in two years, but he is improving. Um, Savage is a hit jair alexander is a hit elton jenkins is a hit so like there's a certain level of like ex- exceeding expectation and falling below expectation at the same time um but i think most things break well for him the big thing is like dude this is aaron rod this is a hall of fame and a mvp caliber quarterback Yeah. and like how important is this to your legacy relative to everything else because this might outweigh everything else
0: yeah it's like it's not quite like you had one job to do but it is one of the most important things that you are tasked with right off the bat
1: absolutely and that that's kind of the thing with the aaron Rodgers situation is all right everything before and after doesn't really matter at the end of the day it doesn't really matter because what matters in this league is passing the football and defend passing the football and if that's If it's really that important, then how he handles the Rodgers situation and what comes potentially after Rodgers, you know, maybe even this year with Jordan Love, that's how he's going to be judged. That's really going to be how he's judged. It's not going to be, you know, how did he manage free agency in 2019? How did he manage the draft from 2018 on or whatever? It's going to be what did we, we look at at quarterback in 2021 and
0: beyond? Yep. Exactly. And if he wins a ring, he's immortal. Those are the rules. Yep. Hey man, (laughs) Victor goes to spoils. They write history, all that. Yep. We don't make the rules. We just follow them.
1: We'll forgive a lot if you win.
0: All right, man. Uh, that was five questions on a summer Friday afternoon. Um, I think that's going to do it, man. Keep it locked in to acmepackingcompany.com all off season long for the latest out of Green Bay. And keep an eye on the audio feed here as, as we're hoping to ramp things up a little bit down the line uh, as well. Justice, with you getting more in the mix, can't wait for that. And it's a pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us, man.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.